0: So, Paul, can you can you uh, give us a little bit of um, I, I know some of the other people that volunteered, but I don't really know you, Paul. So can you can you give me a little 30, 45 second background on your Christian uh, life?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So I was uh, lucky enough to be born to two very devout Christian parents um, who took me to church before taking me home. So um, I was raised in the Anglican Church, but uh, uh, with often having adventures out into the evangelical world. Um, and uh, since then, I've grown up and become my own man with my own faith, uh, <laughs> as as we do. And um, I I don't know I've, I've I've been in some amazing places in in my in my journey with God, but thirty seconds isn't time to go into them. I guess. <laughs>
0: bro, that was an amazing job <laughs> and you you know what Paul you are a man with your own faith now I'm feeling that okay so so this is this is awesome paul I, I'm not gonna pick on you but I'm really excited that you you volunteer today but i am I'm gonna start with you okay okay so what we're what we're really we're gonna transition now because um what i've what I've found is that, you know, when we touch the topic that we're about to touch, there's a lot of reaction. There's a lot of reaction. And so today, just to make it very, very clear, okay, we're not trying to get anybody to do anything, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, nor nor if, if you if you feel differently about this afterwards, that's fine. It's between you and the Lord and your own journey with him. Okay. We're just presenting to you what we see in the Bible and then you do with it however you feel afterwards. Okay. So that's, I just wanted to establish that that's really the spirit that we want to come at this. And so Paul, bro, what a name. Okay. So Paul, I want to, I want to ask you a few questions about the Lord before he went to the cross to die. Okay. Okay. And I, I discovered this a couple of years ago and I have to be honest, it was really shocking to me. It was really shocking to me. So I'm just going to paint this picture for you. Okay. Uh, I, I want you to put yourself in the Lord's shoes. Okay. I, obviously you can't like we, we covered this last week. You actually can't partake of anything having to do with the cross that the Lord accomplished. You have no part in it at all, mm-hmm. but from an emotional and physical standpoint, I want want you to put yourself there for a second. It's the night before, okay? You're with all of your disciples in the garden. You realize way more than they do what's about to happen to you, okay? You're highly aware of of the pain, both in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm and even in your soul okay that you're going to undertake during that time now you go you go to pray okay and and the guys that you're trusting in by the way after you leave the guys that you're trusting in they fall asleep okay now, I, I wouldn't have, a, I, I talk about being a visionary. I wouldn't have a lot of faith at that moment that things are going to be okay when I'm gone, okay? I just asked them to pray a little bit, and they just fell asleep. And so then I go to pray, okay? Or actually you do, Paul, because you're the one taking taking this this thought in, okay? You go to pray, and you're under so much physical and emotional stress, that you actually start to uh, experience this thing called hematidrosis, okay? And what that is, is the stress in your body, the blood vessel actually bursts, okay? And it goes into your sweat glands. And in Luke, the physician tells us that he actually begins to sweat blood, okay? This is the agony and the stress and anxiety that the Lord is under the night before. Okay, are you with me, Paul? hmm
1: yeah.
0: Okay. In that moment, what would you pray for?
1: God's will be done.
0: <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh man, Paul, you're so good. Okay, of course, pray of pray, course. Exactly yeah yeah i don't bro i want to know i want to know honestly what you would pray for because if i'm honest with you i would pray that not only did it not happen but okay lord father if it does happen can you just make it not hurt <laughs> like can we just put on like a big show and like i actually don't feel anything it wouldn't like that that's that's what i would pray for paul i'm being re- i'm being honest with you bro what would what would you what would what would you pray for, bro?
1: It has to fulfill the prophecies, right? So there has to be the stripes, there has to be the suffering. Okay. So it, it 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 had to be the, the way it was, and and it's it, God's will is superior. So, I like, I think Jesus's prayer there was beautiful. It was you know, if this cup can be taken from me, then so be it. But your will be done, not mine
0: yeah yeah bro paul it's very clear that you're a better christian than me it's very (laughs) it's very clear okay okay paul paul this is the thing this is the thing i want i want you to look now what we're going to do is we're going to go to john 17 okay and we're going to look at this prayer that that you said was beautiful and i agree with you it's actually um i've actually wept a couple times reading this prayer and don't worry guys i know last week it didn't work but this week we're good to go on on the i think we're good to go my goodness there we go are you guys are you guys with me okay okay i'm i'm glad you guys are with me paul can you see the screen yep okay so let's go to let's go to john 17 and this this is interesting This is really interesting, Paul, because actually what the Lord Jesus prays for repeatedly over and over again is for the oneness of the believers. The day before he is crucified, the only thing he's caring about is that the believers would be one. Okay, where we pick this up is if we go down to verse 11, and there's actually a progression of oneness found in John 17. There's three different aspects of this oneness, okay? The first one is in verse 11. Can you, can you read verse 11 for me, Paul?
1: And I am no longer in the world, yet they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given to me, that they may be one, even as we are.
0: Okay, so Paul, what's the first aspect of oneness that he wants them to be in?
1: In the name of the Father.
0: Yeah, yeah, bro, for sure. This is a matter of life. The moment that we receive the Lord and receive eternal life, we now have the ability to have be in the name, the oneness in the, of the name of the triune God okay the oneness of the father okay when we continue going down and uh, man i don't know maybe sometime we do a dive session on john 17 because it's pretty amazing but can you can you go down to 21 for me and we're going to see the second aspect of oneness here can you can you point that out to me can you just read it actually yeah.
1: that they all may be one even as you father are in me and i in you that they may also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me
0: okay so paul this this creates a little bit more of a problem what's what's the oneness here it's um being in the father
1: or being yeah being in the father and the father being in us so being okay within each other
0: right so actually I, I i did a dishonor to you here it's actually at the at the end of verse 20 it's the oneness in their world in the word okay so the end of the the end of the verse says the word and then he goes on to say that the believers would be one in the word and then this is the key part here he actually says that the world may believe okay paul when you look at verse 11 can believers do this believers are just this way all over the world whether we've met them or not right we're all one because we have one faith would you agree?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is on the name though, isn't it? Which is, is more than, it, 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 the name is identity, right? So it's yeah. being, being in God and his identity. And that's, that's that's
0: yeah, through grace and then through faith. So yes, I agree. Amen. <laughs> okay, yeah, for sure. Then, then what we, we have a progression and it's actually a deeper and deeper oneness that we're going to keep building off of here. So keep in mind this is this is what the Lord is concerned about before he goes to the cross. okay? That was the context of this entire conversation. So now he wants them to be one in their in, in His word, but then also he adds this little thing at the end of verse 21 that the world may believe. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have I have tried preaching the gospel to a lot of different cultures and religions, and one of them is the Muslim religion. Or Islam, okay. So I've gone, up, I've gone up to Muslims before, Paul. Have you ever, have you ever preached the gospel to a Muslim before? I've tried. Yeah, me too, bro. It's hard. It's yeah. hard. Okay. Maybe sometime we could talk about that. It's okay. difficult. And actually, I don't know about you, Paul, but there's been a couple times where I get them to this point where I, I think they might, they might, you know, and then and then the person will look at me. And they'll say, okay, if I convert to Christianity, which one am I converting to? Hmm. Which one? Okay, this has happened to me multiple times. And what they're doing is they are exposing something within Christianity that we're not one. And you know what the thing is, Paul? They represent the world. Okay, they are the world. And so in verse 21, that the world may believe that you have sent me. There is something about the oneness that not only expresses God, it is his top attribute. So not only is he light, is he love, is he all these things, his oneness is his top attribute. Nothing expresses God more than oneness. And so in that instance, if we're actually one as believers, if we're one, it's a testimony to the entire world. And what they actually see is they see God, that the world may believe, okay? The third type of oneness is actually in his glory, which is found in verse 22. And it's interesting to me because a lot of believers I ask I love this question. I ask them what 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 is the the purpose of your Christian life after you get saved? And many of them will say to glorify God and I'll be like, yeah, sweet, sweet. I agree hundred percent. how do you do that? How do you do that? And then they then they start fumbling and they're just like, oh I, I don't uh, uh, obey the commandments or something like that. So actually, some some theologians, it's really interesting when they analyze John 17, some of them think the chapter is on oneness. Others think the chapter is on glory. The reason being is because oneness expresses God, and expression of God is glory. Okay? It's actually both. So when we as believers become one. And we're expressing God, it actually gives God glory. So, actually, if we ever wanted to know how to glorify God, the answer is to be one. That's how we glorify God. Okay, so, Paul, so, Paul, this is the thing, bro. I've never met a Christian that disagrees with me that we're not supposed to be one. Have you? I don't think of any. Yeah, I mean, that would be kind of weird, you know? Like, if you actually ask a believer, do you think believers are not supposed to be one? They, I've never met one. They never said, yeah, we're supposed to be divided. That's what we're supposed to do, okay? And so this is the thing. I, for years, it was so interesting to me. I couldn't figure out why. Why? Why is it that when this topic is presented to people, they don't disagree but in fact, they don't care. They don't care. There is no, there is no desire in them at all for the oneness of the body. They don't care. And so then I, that was, that was for me also. I remember, I remember when I met this brother in Texas, man, we were for like six months, Paul, six months, he is just blitzing me on oneness. Okay. Every appointment, oneness, oneness, oneness. And I never disagreed with him. But I always walked away thinking, yeah, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay? Until, until I realized what oneness actually does. Okay? If you just tell someone Christians are supposed to be one, there's a reason why they don't care. And the reason why they don't care is because you haven't given them a reason to care, which is why last week, what we did is we set this up that we first have to realize, which Christians don't realize, we have to realize that it's our job to subdue the enemy. It's our job, okay, which then if you love the Lord and you realize that he just gave you a job, your immediate reaction is, okay, how do I do that? right, Paul? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I want to know how to do that. And then when we start talking about oneness and you realize that the oneness of believers actually subdues and defeats the enemy, don't you think you'd start caring? Yep. (laughs) I think so too. I think so too. And so this is the thing. This is the thing, Paul, I promise you, it might take years to see this point. It took me years but when you see when you see the fact that when you're one you actually defeat the enemy the enemy knows this and so the enemy does two things one is he tries to divide the body of Christ okay that is his main goal and purpose i'm going to come in and create division amongst the believers okay and two i want them to i don't want them to know that their job is to defeat me and subdue me. I don't want them to know that, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm really going to overemphasize this aspect of it is finished on the cross. You don't have to do anything to me anymore. You don't have to do anything to me. Because if believers know that they have to do something, then they will. Okay? So these are the two things that, just to set this up, Paul, are you with me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, bro. This is going to be an epic ride. I promise you. Okay. I'm, I'm really glad you volunteered today. So at this point, I'm going to hand it off to Guillaume and he's going to show us this aspect of oneness and the power that's in it.
2: Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. This is it. This matter, <clears throat> the oneness, I, I feel like everything is hinging upon the oneness. If you want to have the bride, if you want to have the building, if you want to defeat the enemy, we need to be one. We, we need to have the oneness. So we, we really need a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We, we need to get this. Oh, Lord, may you speak to us. Um, okay, I'd like to apologize uh, for my attire. I'm wearing a shirt and a tie, and so sometimes I get comments. This is my uh, rest attire if you can believe that. I don't have a vest, so I'm relaxed. So that being said, let's dive into this matter. Can we first look at Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19? Okay, okay, could, Beck and Rosie, could you please read the first verse, verse 16?
3: There are six things that Jehovah hates, indeed seven that are an abomination to his soul.
2: Okay, so six things. And then he adds seven. When I read this verse, it is interesting. It says six, but then he says, actually, actually seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the seventh thing that he detests, that he hates? Could you read verse 19, the last part?
4: A, f- a false witness who utters lies and one who injects discord among, among brothers.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So he hates. This is, this is very strong. In the Bible, it's rare to find such utterances. Jehovah hates. He hates someone who injects discord among the brothers. Mm. Amen. Okay, oneness, like Trevor said, it's the top attribute of God. The top. God is triune. We have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They're not three gods. It's just one God. It's the Trinity. They cohere in, in one another. If that word makes sense to you, they go in here It's it's just it's just the top attribute. You know, God is love in His essence. God is light in His expression. God is spirit in His person. But God is one. Is top attribute is the oneness. It's it's a main. It's it's a big thing. Okay. This verse reminds me of Genesis 1, that we covered before, mm-hmm. where we said that God created us in his image and according to his likeness. Mm-hmm. And then he said something that we covered last week. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of heaven, over the cattle, over all the earth. And to me, we could end there you know, over all the earth, but he adds and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. It sounds like to me, but maybe it's just me, you know, I'm not writing life studies or anything. That's just my, my feeling, my personal feeling. It seems like it's like Proverbs six. I want to make sure you understand that what I really hate, what bothers me the most my enemy that creeps upon the earth. This is the problem. And here in Proverbs, he says six things I hate, actually seven. So he adds one thing at the end, as to emphasize this thing really I dislike. And so, okay, in the Bible, we have two lines. Okay, we have a line of life and we have a line of death the first line starts with the tree of life, okay, the source is God himself, and he goes through the church and he consummates with the new Jerusalem, the bride of the Lamb, God's building. Okay, the other line, the line of death, starts with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then he passes through Babel, that I'm going to talk about in just a minute, and then Babylon, Eventually, the great Babylon that we see in the book of Revelation, and the whole thing will consummate in the lake of fire. So if you are in the line of life, in the line of oneness, this is where you you want to be found. This is where everything is, according to God's economy. If you are in division, Mm -hmm. you are in in the line of death, and that will eventually consummate with the lake of fire so this matter is very important we have life and death we have oneness and division and most christians they don't take this matter very seriously like trevor said they just do not care and perhaps it's because they haven't seen it it's that simple they just haven't seen it yet that this is very precious this is what the lord prayed for in john 17. this is most precious to him this is what he wants to have He wants to have, in reality, the oneness. It's it's a very serious matter. It's a matter of life and death, oneness and division. It's very, very important. Okay. And so division, actually, it's all inclusive. You know, this is, Satan is there, sin is there, the world is there, the flesh is there, the old man is there, the old eye is there. It's all there. All negative things. It's all included in division. On the other hand, oneness all the positive things are there you have god the father you have christ you have the spirit we get this from ephesians uh, 4 We know we have the oneness of the spirit in the uniting bond of peace that we need to keep and then the, the verses that follow they tell us that we have god the father christ the son and the spirit that gives life our regenerated spirit our transformed soul everything is related to the oneness so this is very very important okay after sin entered into man things started to happen not good things first we have hatred with abel and cain eventually murder and then if you go on from genesis 4 5 and 6 you have fornication and then you have weapons and war Eventually, in Genesis 6, so early on, the earth was filled with violence, and God even repented for creating man. I mean, this is really serious. This is very serious. And so, we see from this that if you practice these things sin, worldly things, fornication, war, all of that they were practicing these things eventually that issued in Babel, which is the first type that we want to cover. Babel is a city, uh, used to be a city in Mesopotamia, where Iraq is today. It was just south of Baghdad, southwest of Baghdad. Okay, that word in Arcadian means gate of heaven or gate of God, gate of gods. So it's like a, it's like a ladder kind of connecting the earth and reaching out to their own gods. We don't have time for this. I wish we had, you know, I studied this matter at length about Ishtar and Murdoch and Hun and uh, the city of Nineveh and and how today you have these items still present, but we don't have the time. It's too bad. We'll take the time maybe some at some other occasion. But my point is this city wanted to reach this tower, wanted to reach to the heavens. So men, in their rebellion, they wanted to reach out to God, to be like God, to take his place. Okay, maybe we can read uh, some of the verses. We can read verses um, from verse 4 to verse 7, if you're okay. Yes, and they said.
3: And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Mm-hmm. And let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered over the surface of the whole earth.
4: And Jehovah came down to see the city and the, ta- and the tower which the children
2: of men had built. Okay, we can pause. We can pause. We can pause. I just want to emphasize Jehovah came down to see quite striking to me okay we can go on
3: and jehovah said behold they are one people and they all mm-hmm. have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and now nothing which they purpose to do will be kept
4: from them mm-hmm. come let us go down and there confounded their language that they may not understand one another's speech.
2: Mm. Yes. So, okay, the context of that is, after the flood, the earth was so evil in Genesis 6, there was a flood, Noah, the ark. Most of us, we are familiar with that story. After that, God gave man authority to rule over man. Okay, and man, by Satan's instigation... Or they just wrongly used that authority they made nations mm-hmm. and the nations actually they prefigure all the denominations in Christianity today we'll come to that later and so they were one in their evil intention they have they had a oneness because they had Satan in their flesh they had sin in their flesh They has this inward oneness but outwardly, they had the same, the same mind, the same thinking, the same intentions. And it, this is so strong, this principle is so powerful that God himself, when he saw the situation, he had to calm down. And then he said, behold, they are one people. They have one language, they speak the same thing. They're just attuned. And this is only the beginning. Okay, now nothing that they will purpose will be kept from them. So it seems that God himself would not go against that principle. That if you are one, if you have the one accord, nothing can stop you. Nothing. So he himself, I mean, God himself, this is to me, where do you have this in the Bible? Where else do you have this in the Bible? Okay, he said, we will go down, the triune God said, I'll go down and I will confine their language. So Babel means confusion to jumble, to confuse. So they were not able to understand one another. But this shows us that there's something very important here. Satan knows this is what God wants to have. He wants to have the oneness. He wants to have the oneness among all the believers. He prayed for this, he is longing for this. This is how he can have the building, the bride and everything that is precious and dear to his heart. It's very, very important that we get this point. He wants to have people that are one inwardly and also outwardly and welcome to that. And so anyways, I hope this this picture is, is, is clear. You know, when you practice evil things, you end up having this tower of Babel. On the other hand, us in the church life, enjoying the Lord, we enjoy all these life practices, all these good things that will issue in the building of God, Mm -hmm. that will issue into real oneness. Okay, there's a good news, you know, after God did this, after he had to come down and confound their language, he reversed the whole thing in Acts, in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So perhaps we could read some, some verses in Acts uh, chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Before that, we need to know that in verse 14 of chapter 1, the believers were gathered together in one accord, and they were praying. Mm-hmm. And because of their one accord and the prayers, something something happened. That's right, Acts 1:14. And so in, in chapter 2, we have the outpouring of the Spirit. And that's, that, that's the reversal of what happened at Babel. So now, the Galileans who were there, they were able to speak in different dialects. They, they were still different dialects, but everyone could hear, everyone could understand. And this is to show us what mm-hmm. God wants to do. He wants us to be one. He wants us to speak the same thing. Mm-hmm. We have the oneness within, he wants to have the oneness without, which is the one accord. They were filled with the spirit and they were able to be this way. And so this is what we want to do. And this is why, for example, we we prophesy or we endeavor to learn how to prophesy, how to speak Christ, how to speak the same language. Even in Hebrews 1, 2, it says that God speaks son. We don't have time to get into this, but he speaks son. That's the language that he speaks. God speaks Christ. He wants us to speak Christ, to be one, to have the one accord. Okay, so division is against the oneness. Division traces all the way back to Satan. The oneness is God's top attribute. We have those two lines running through the whole human of history, and here we are today. We need to make a decision. And Paul gives us a very strong warning. Last week we saw, in chapter three of 1 Corinthians, that, not last week, the week before, when we talked about God's building, that we need to be very careful what, what materials we're using for the building of God. We were talking about gold, silver, precious stones. So God the Father, Christ in his redemptive work, the transforming work of the spirit for the precious stones. That was marvelous. I really enjoyed that fellowship. And then we had wood, grass, and stubble, the old man, the flesh, and the earthy things. He said, take heed with what material you build. But he also said something else, very, very important. And that relates to today's topic. Could we have First Corinthians 3, please, um, Trevor? maybe we can look at the verses where uh, it says I am not of uh, Apollos I have this in French before me this will not be too helpful for us here yeah, in chapter 3 I think you're in chapter 1 so okay with what we build it's important but where we build Is very, very important. Very, very important. So, here in this verse, verse 5, could you, could you, sisters, read it for us, please?
3: What then is Apollos? And what is Paul, ministers through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to each one of them?
2: Yeah, so what then is Paul? What then is Apollos? They, okay, the church in Corinth, they had a lot of problems. at least 11 okay the first one that paul addresses is the matter of division because he knows everything comes out of that problem this is really the root that has to be taken away and so some were saying i'm i'm from i'm of apollos i'm of paul i'm of cephas uh i'm of christ anyways so they were using to build the wrong, they were building on the wrong place. And we'll come to that. So we cannot be following a person. That's that's my point. We cannot be following Apollos. Mm -hmm. We cannot be following Paul. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: We cannot be following a teaching that Paul would have brought up on, on his own, apart from God's revelation. And so that means that the believers cannot be following, yes, persons or teachings, but we need to follow and build on something else. So this is a very solemn warning that Paul gives on how we build and where we build. And so you can be following the flesh with the person, following your soul, your natural concepts, your preferences of what the church should be like with a a doctrine, a teaching of any kind, or you even can be somewhat spiritual and say, I'm of Christ, you know, as if to say, you know, you're not good enough. You're following this man or that person or that teaching. I'm of Christ. But this is a way also to divide. And so Paul makes it very clear in the flesh, in the soul, and even our spirit needs to be pure as to where we build. So there's really this principle here there's the oneness that issues into the New Jerusalem, and there's division that will issue into the Lake of Fire. And now, I think Nathaniel will take us from there and tell us more about the ground and the foundation.
5: Well, yeah, and maybe we can go back, uh, uh, Trevor, really quickly to 1 Corinthians 3. And, um, well, I'd like to just start by, um, first of all, thanking you, uh, Ronk for accepting the nomination for, for joining us. And, um, I'm wondering, uh, just, just a little question for you to consider. Um, and, uh, and here's the question, uh, in building, when you're building something, what is the difference between the ground of the building and the foundation? Mm -hmm. What do you think?
6: Uh, I think the ground, well, the ground is uh, where you put the foundation in.
5: Very good. It, it wasn't a trick question, so you got uh-huh. Yeah, very good. So, you know, the, the foundation, Paul says uh, in, um, uh, it's a little bit later in 1 Corinthians, but he talks about the foundation that he laid. And that foundation is Jesus Christ, right? I think it's in verse 11, right? Um, can you read that again for us, Ronk? Uh, verse
6: 11. Okay. For another foundation, no one is able to lay besides that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ.
5: Right. So Jesus Christ is the foundation upon which, uh, upon, upon which we build. But as you pointed out, uh, not only is the foundation important, but there is a distinction between the foundation and the ground. So the foundation is actually upon the ground. So like when you're planning to build something, uh, you need the foundation, but actually, even before that, you need to have a site. You need to have a place where you're going to lay the foundation. So the foundation is extremely important because without the foundation, you have no building. But if you don't have a place to lay the foundation, you have no foundation, right? Okay, so um, that's, that was just a, a little point we wanted to bring out there. And um, now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what is God's choice. When it comes to the ground. So just to be clear, we're not talking about the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. What we're talking about now is we're talking about the ground and it's very interesting. If you go back all the way to the, uh, the, to the Pentateuch, to the first five books of the Bible, one of the most striking things that stands out is how much in Genesis, in Exodus, in Leviticus, in Numbers, and in Deuteronomy, Jehovah speaks about bringing people to the land. He speaks about bringing them to the land of Canaan, right? in, uh, in he promises Abraham, I'm going to bring you, right? Out of where you are, to the land of Canaan. So this was a promise given to Abraham eventually the children of Israel ended up going to Egypt. And then the Lord came to Moses. And this was a, this. he repeated the same promise that he gave to Abraham. He repeated that promise to Moses. And so the children of Israel left Egypt and they were on their way to where? To the good land. Okay. So It's very interesting because as they're on their way to the land, even as they were leaving Egypt, there was a battle going on, there was a huge battle, because first the Egyptians tried to stop them, then they had things come up among themselves, there was a rebellion, all kinds of things, there were all kinds of obstacles before they could get to the land, but eventually we see in the book of Joshua, they made it, they got to the land, okay? Mm -hmm. And when they got to the land, uh, event you know it, it took a little period of time, but eventually, they had the 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 temple was built. And you see, actually, that the issue of our of the children of Israel being on the land was that you had the building of the temple. And when the building of the tent when the temple was built, the glory of Jehovah filled oh. the temple. That's where he had his expression, okay? This is a very, I mean, mean, we could do a dive session just on this. So this is just a very brief um, overview. But before the children of Israel entered into the land, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, knowing he wasn't going to be able to accompany the children of Israel into the land, he he spoke to them. He re-spoke to them the law. And in Deuteronomy chapter 12, uh it's very striking. Uh th- th- there is a phrase that appears in Deuteronomy 12 six times. And this phrase this phrase is uh God will choose. So if you go to verse five, uh Ronk, can you read verse five for us?
6: Okay. Uh, But to the place which Jehovah your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name uh, to his habitation shall you seek and there shall you go.
5: Amen. That's awesome. Okay, so just take note of that. To the place which Jehovah your God will choose. Okay. It's not where the children of Israel would choose. It's where Jehovah would choose. So you start to realize, actually, when it comes to where uh, we would build something for God, where it comes to when it comes to the question of what we build, Jehovah has a choice. Not only with regarding the materials with which we build, but He has a choice about where we build. Okay. He has a certain place. He had a certain place for the children of Israel. This is where you, all your tribes, this is where this is where I'm going to put my name. This is where I will have my habitation. Okay, uh, let's uh, scroll down a little bit more. and uh, we're going to go to verse 11. OK. Uh, Ron, can you read that for us?
6: Then to the place where Jehovah your God will choose to cause his name to dwell, there you shall bring all that I am commanding you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the heath offering of your hand and all your uh, choice vows which you vow to Jehovah.
5: Right. Okay. Thank you. So again, we see the same phrase to the place where Jehovah, your God will choose to cause his name to dwell. There you shall bring all that I am commanding you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices. So this is where they would worship God. God had a place, a specific place where he wanted his people to worship him. Okay. Um, now we're going to uh, continue, and uh, in verse 14, can you read, uh, can we look at verse 14? Okay, um, can you read that one, Ronk? It's actually a re- sort of a, a bit of a repetition from verse, uh, from verse 11, but it's good to just read it, if you can.
6: But in the place which Jehovah will, uh, will choose in one of your tribes, there you shall offer up your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you.
5: Very good. So again, Jehovah has a choice. In, ter- in with When we talk about the place where we worship him, where he will have his habitation, he has a choice. Now can we go to verse 18? Okay. Again, yeah, go for it.
6: But you shall eat them before Jehovah your God in the place which Jehovah your God will choose, you and your son and daughter, and your male servant and female servant, and the Levite who is within your gates. And you shall rejoice before Jehovah your God in all your undertakings.
5: So together with all of God's people, there is a certain place where you need to go. Is a place where the children of Israel, they had to go in order to worship God. You know it's striking whenever the Bible repeats something it's worth noting but here it's repeated in this chapter again and again and again. Now let's go on uh, to uh, verse
6: 21. If the place where Jehovah your God will choose to put his name is too far away from you you may slaughter from your herd and from your flock, which Jehovah has given you, as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your gates according to all that your soul desires.
5: Yeah, this is an interesting verse, because here there is a little bit of a provision, okay? If you're too far away, okay, from the place where Jehovah has chosen, you can eat, you can eat what Jehovah has given you. um, But... In this, it, at, at the same time, there was still the there was still the commandment that the children of Israel they had to come together three times a year. They always had to come to Jerusalem, regardless of where they were. So there's a little bit of provision. Sometimes, due to situations, we may not be able to always gather exactly where the Lord had where, where uh, the, the Lord's choice is, but really we don't have a choice. At some point, we have to come together uh, where God has chosen. Okay, now let's go on to verse 26. And actually, before I go on, brothers, did you want to add anything to this? Or are we good? Did you want to add anything to these points? I would, I mean... <laughs> I would, the only thing I would add
0: is that the, the Jews, um, so one of my minors was Jewish studies in in university and, and the Jews actually are, are much more clear about this than Christians are. Um, you know, even, even to this day, they want to rebuild the temple badly. They really want to, and they have all the material ready to do it, but they haven't done it because there's a big mosque in the way of them rebuilding the temple. And so they're not going to build it. It's just not, it's not the fact that it's just in Jerusalem or that it's in Israel. It has to be in the place that God chose. And so they're Mm -hmm. very, very clear on this point. Yeah. They won't do it. They won't do it until that's gone. And so I think anyway,
5: we need to be as clear, keep going. Did you have anything, Guillaume, before I keep going, before I go on?
2: No, I think it's good.
5: Okay. All right, so then we come to the last verse. Ron, can you read it for us?
6: But you shall take your holy things which you have and your vows and go to the place which Jehovah will choose.
5: I, I hope we've just come to love this phrase, which Jehovah will choose. You know, we love the Lord and We uh, all have a heart for him, or we wouldn't be here (laughs) in the afternoon on Zoom. We just wouldn't. And so uh, we just, you just realize the Lord has a choice. You know, I mean, the thing is, I, you know, I'm married and I, I, you know, the more that I get to know my wife, the more I realize there are certain things that she prefers and certain things that she doesn't and the more you love someone you just realize this is their choice it doesn't matter how i feel i may have i may have another choice but but you just realize this is her choice anyway the lord is the same way he has a choice and on the one hand he doesn't force us to make the choice but He's letting us know he has a choice. What we decide to do with that revelation is up to us, but he's making it known. And as we'll see, by following Jehovah's choice, we're able to deal with with God's enemy. Okay, this is the Old Testament, but now Guillaume is going to go on and show us how this is a, was applied, beginning with the early church in the New Testament.
2: Yes, let's talk about the church. Wow, okay. Okay, first we we have to start with Matthew 16, 18. I think most of us are familiar with this wonderful verse. Uh, maybe Paul, If you are still uh, okay with this, you could read it for us.
1: And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it.
2: Yes, hallelujah. Okay, so Peter just had a wonderful revelation that he received from God the Father. And the Lord said, I will build my church, the one church there are no other churches it's just one church that's that's one aspect of the church what we call the universal aspect of the church okay we'll go to Matthew 18 uh, verse 17 and maybe Paul you can read that one also to us please
1: and if he refuses to hear them tell it to the church And if he refuses to hear the church also, let him be to you just like the Gentile and the tax collector.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so here the context is, uh, someone is sinning against you, a a brother. And so first in verse 15, you know, it is said, you should go to him and try to, you know, just restore him. Uh, You reprove him and then, you know, if he hears you, then you gain your brother. If he doesn't hear you, then you can go with like two or three and in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And then eventually he goes on to say, okay, bring it to the church. So the church has to be practical. It has to be findable. It has to be something that we can talk to. And so this is the local aspect of the church. So there's no problem with the universal aspect of the church. All the believers, all the ones who have repented and received Christ as their Savior in their spirit, were baptized into his death and into the, the triune God, they are the other church. Okay, but there is this local aspect of the church that we can see in this, uh, in this chapter. And this is where the enemy attacks. This is where there's a lot a lot of misunderstanding okay so the church meets you know you don't go to church the church comes together but you don't go to a place that is the church like the church is something else I have a question I want to ask you Paul um, okay I have here a, a letter okay a letter you I, I can probably see that clearly it's like Paul and then I will not read the whole thing because that will be embarrassing. Um, this, is, this is an epistle to the church in Blackpool. <laughs>
1: Blackpool. Mm-hmm, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, you know where Blackpool is? Yes, I'm, I, I know the place. Okay, so Paul wrote some nice words of encouragement to the church in Blackpool. Okay, this one is not in the New Testament, but, but there is such a letter in my hand right now. And so he says, "Yours, Christly." I write with my own hand, Paul. Okay, so this letter, I'll just, I'll just roll it. Sorry for the low-tech uh, effects, <laughs> and I'll just give it to you, so you can pick it up. Okay, okay. So now you have the letter. I will borrow your name, I'm Paul, and you are my Timothy. And I want you to bring this letter that is, yes, right, this letter that you now possess. Um, Bring it to the church in Blackpool. What will you do?
1: Check when the next train to Blackpool
2: leaves. uh... Okay. Okay, that's good. So you get there, you get on the train, and then you get off at the train station, Where do you go?
1: Uh, I would look for the 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 um, the people who attend the church. Um,
2: Okay,
1: like the you said, take it to the church in Blackpool, right?
2: Yes. So that must be people, right? Yes. Okay. I don't know who. Where would you go? Because I don't know who that
1: would be. I would look for a churchy building because I would expect that to be the place that they would congregate.
2: Okay. I'm guessing that Blackpool is the same as Paris, where I live in France, and there are many uh, so-called churches. Um, So I I would be in great trouble to bring it to the church. I, I just wouldn't know where to go, to be honest with you. And so let's just see what the word says about the church um it's very interesting so we'll start with acts 14 verse 23. this is a very good verse we need to know these verses is very actually quite easy to remember okay verse 23
1: and when they had appointed elders for them in every church and had prayed with fastings, they committed them to the Lord
2: into whom they had believed. Ah, oh, yes. Okay, so they appointed elders in every church. That, that, that was what Paul practiced. Okay, he was appointing elders in every church. Now we'll go to Titus, the epistle to Titus, verse 1-5. hmm
1: Okay. For this cause I left you in Crete, that you might set in order the things which I have begun that remain and appoint elders in every city as I directed you.
2: Okay, so this is still Paul. So he talks about in every church, and then he talks about in every city appointing elders. So to me, it's interesting. It seems like they are just one and the same. It talks about the church. He talks about a city. So there's something here that I find quite interesting. There may be something we need to look into a little bit more. So let's go further uh, in the New Testament and go to Revelation one eleven. I really like that verse. It just makes it so clear.
1: Saying, what you see, write in a scroll and send it to the seven churches, to okay, Ephesus and to Smyrna, to Pergamos and to Thy- Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea.
2: Yes. Okay. God's word is so good. It's just so clear. You just have to read it, <laughs> basically. Okay, so this, this scroll, if I wanted to bring it to the church, you know, I will go to a city, Uh, Ephesus, Smyrna. It seems like they're equating the church with a city, okay? Church and city, church, city, they they go together. Mm -hmm. So the boundary of a city, everyone within that city limit, that's the church. The church in Blackpool, all the believers in Blackpool, that's the church in Blackpool. Regardless of, you know, where you meet, regardless of how you call yourself, that is what the Bible calls the church, and what the Bible would call the church in Blackpool, okay? So it doesn't matter how you identify yourself, you're, you're part of the church. But the sad thing is, well, it's not the way people practice it today. Um, and so many people would say, well it's just not practical you know to do this like to have like all the believers in one city it just it's just not practical to do it well jerusalem this is where the church started that was the first church in a city jerusalem when the brothers were preaching the gospel after the outpouring of the spirit three thousand souls believed and then in Acts 4, 5,000 were added to the church. That, that's a lot of people. Okay? In Paris, we are about 120. They had at least 8,000 because it says, you know, 5,000 men actually in Acts 4. So that's that's a lot. So they were meeting as the church in Jerusalem. So you know that's just God's way. That's what God has ordained. There's, there is there's such a place. So in the Old Testament, that place was Jerusalem. And that depicts something wonderful in the New Testament. So here we see the principle. As I was sharing earlier in um, 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, sorry, 3, we cannot be following a person. We cannot be following a doctrine, a teaching. And so I don't want to call out, you know, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but there are many churches following a a person the church of so and so or the church that is denominated according to a teaching or a practice but even the size should not matter 5000 3000 in jerusalem that should not be the deciding factor now, even the condition again with the church in corinth terrible fornication they were drunk at the lord's table having a lot of questions about resurrection marriage i mean It's still the church. So God has decided something and we should do well to take heed to what he said. So anyways, that's the church in its universal aspect and it's in its local aspect. And now uh, I think Nathaniel will take over.
0: All right, Nathaniel. Did, did Nathaniel freeze?
2: Oh, so let me add something then until we get our brother back. <laughs> so the church in Blackpool, it's it's not a name, right? It, it's, it's not a name. It's just a description. The church, the assembly of all the believers, all the regenerated believers, in Blackpool. It's not a name. It just defines the assembly of believers meeting there. Um, Do we have him back?
0: Not yet, but I I can jump in here and actually another question I have. This one's for Paul because Paul You happen to be the only guy on the panel, okay? So I'm going to ask you this question because it's really going to hit home, okay? It's really going to hit home. Paul, um, do you want to get married one day? Yes. You do? All right, man. Praise the Lord. I'm feeling that, okay? So you do want to get married, okay? Yes. (laughs) Okay, bro, you seem very excited about this. I'm, I'm excited for you you know, like when that day. What, yes. Okay. Paul wants to get married, everyone. Now, Paul, this is my question. This is my question. Let's say you find, let's say you find her, you know? Yeah. And would, would you also agree that the Lord wants to get married too? Yeah. Does he want to get married? I think he does. I think he does. Okay. And so, so Paul, isn't that funny? Like I I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but the reason why you want to get married is because he wants to get married. Mm -hmm. So that desire that's in you is because he made you in his image and likeness. And so you want to get married because he does. So Paul, this desire that's in you from God to get married, what if, and I'm just saying, what if, bro? What if, what if you find her? Okay. And she says to you on your wedding day, bro, she's, she's all ready. she's ready, bro. And, and, and she's walking down the aisle and then she gets to the front. And, and before they, before they say the, I do, you know, before they say the vows, she just chimes in and says, by the way, Paul, I know your last name is Brown, but I'll, I'll marry you today. I'll marry you today, but I'm, I i kind of like Nathaniel's last name better, okay? Stone, it's just cooler, you know? So is it okay with you? Is it okay with you if we get married? But I actually take Stone as a last name. Is that okay with you? No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, bro. Bro, that ain't tight at all. That is not cool, bro. That's not cool. Now this is the thing, Paul. This is the thing. Do you think do you think the Lord feels that way? Yeah. Yeah, bro. I do too. I do too. If actually if we take another name than Christ's name, it's offensive to him. And the same the same righteous feeling that's in every man. I can't explain it, bro. i've I, I love asking guys this question because they just get so stirred up, and you can't even really explain it, you know? It's so insulting, you know. And so but I don't even like my last name, but, man, man, if uh, you know, my last name's Asian, and that's okay, but I'm not Asian. And <laughs> so the thing is, the things, bro, like, if if my wife was like you know what i don't want an asian last name i would be like you know neither do i but it's still mine and so i want you to take it okay so i just want to throw that out there paul this is this is taking another name other than christ is offensive to him it's offensive okay so take it now we got nathaniel back nathaniel is back He had some technical difficulties. We had a little intermission. Okay, Nathaniel, take us away, bro. uh, uh,
5: Where to begin? Okay. Um, I think, okay. uh, I I wanted to just mention two two points um, very briefly. Um, And this goes along with what um, Trevor was saying. That in Deuteronomy twelve eight it says, "You shall not do according to all that we do here today, each man doing all that is right in his own eyes." Hey
0: Nathaniel, fix your mic. Fix your mic.
5: Sorry, can you hear me? Is this better? Yeah.
6: yeah.
5: I don't know what's. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy twelve eight. You shall not do according to all that we do here today. Each man doing all that is right in his own eyes. And then uh, verse 13, be careful that you do not offer up your burnt offerings in every place that you see. So there's a very big contrast in those, between those verses and the verses we read earlier where Jehovah has a choice. So the contrast is Jehovah has, his, has a choice or you have men who are doing what is right in their own eyes or they are worshiping. In every place that you see, and so um, of course, Guillaume uh, was laid out the principle that we see in the New Testament, and I'm just going to briefly run through a few things. Um, you know, in Romans 16, Paul writes to uh, a cu- he writes actually to a number of people. Um, it's he's greeting Prisca and Aquila, right? Um, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. And then, um, let's see, how about we, can we get uh, Beck and Rosie, can you all read verse five, either one of you? Can you read verse five there? And greet the
4: church, which is in their house. Greet-
3: right,
5: great. I won't make you. I won't make you read that name. It's all good. Um the main thing is uh it says greet the church which is in their house and then it goes on and continues to uh list a number of uh other people that they were greeting. And then if you scroll down a little bit more, Trevor, uh, I think it's around verse eleven. Um mm, uh yes. So in verse 11, uh, can y'all read where it says, greet those of the household?
0: Greet those of
3: the household
5: uh-huh. of
3: narcissists who are in the Lord.
5: Perfect. And then um, can you just go down a little bit more, um, uh, Trevor? Just scroll down a, a few more verses. Sorry. Um Uh, Where is it? I'm looking for a very interesting name, Um, Aristobulus. Anyway, it's a very interesting name. Okay, Um, there's so many names in here. Anyway, the point is, with Narcissus and Aristobulus, uh, both of them, it refers to their households. Okay, but with uh, Prisca and Aquila, it's specifically the church which is in their house. So sometimes when uh, we look at this passage, uh, the the thought may be, okay, well, you know, uh, Prisca and Aquila, they met in their house. They had a church in their house. um, And so, you know, you could maybe have house churches. Um, But that's not the principle that you see in Romans 16. In Romans 16, you actually have the mention of a number of different households, but there's only one household where it's mentioned the church met in their house. So when it says that the church met in their house, that's referring to the fact that uh, the believers, all the believers in Rome, they met in the house of Prisca uh, and Aquila. Uh so that's 1 point uh I just wanted to mention and then also if we can go to Acts 931 Okay um and so can can you all read that verse as well 931
3: right so then the church throughout the whole of judea and galilee
4: and samaria had peace being built up and going on in the fear of the lord and in the comfort of the holy spirit it was multiplied
5: amen awesome so here there's you know it says the church throughout the whole of judea and galilee and samaria had peace sometimes people take this verse and they um, like to say that well this means that the boundary of a church can go beyond a locality that it can cover an entire region oh. but it's helpful to remember the distinction that Guillaume made with Matthew 1618 and Matthew 1817 so Matthew 18 six, Matthew 1618 the Lord says, I will build my church. That refers to the universal aspect of the church. The church is the body of Christ, right? Okay, but Matthew 18, it says, go and tell it to the church. That refers to the church in a specific place. So that refers to the church in its local aspect. So anyway, just to mention Acts nine thirty one, this is referring to the church in its universal aspect okay so there were churches throughout that whole region there were uh, local churches in Jerusalem uh in other cities in Galilee and Samaria but in this case it's speaking about the church in the universal sense because they had a universal fellowship the all the churches in that region were fellowshipping together okay so I just wanted to uh kind of make mention of those things. And what we've done up to this point is we've been talking about, uh, how do I say it? It's sort of like, we've been talking about the ground. We've been talking about the situation where we are, but now we need to look at it from another vantage point. We need to look at it from the air. And so that is where uh, Trevor will take us now.
0: Oh my goodness. You guys just have no idea how excited I am about this. Okay, first off, I wanna, I wanna ask some trivia questions. Okay, so the first one is going out to Ronk. Ronk, according to the scripture, how big can a church be? I'm not talking about the, the amount of people, I'm talking about the location. How big can it be?
6: i think as big as the city gets
0: the the city right the boundary of a city okay according to scripture how small can a church be
6: uh i'm not sure
0: Rock, it? rock. it's the exact same answer yeah the city It's the city, bro. So you can't, you can't make the church smaller than the city boundaries and you can't make it bigger than the city boundaries. Okay. So that's, that's the trivia question that I wanted to ask. Okay. Now, Paul, second trivia question, bro. Second trivia question. If I, if I say to you that I go to the church in Munich. Okay. Is that a name? or is that a description a description that's a description okay so taking that as where you meet okay is actually just a description it's not taking a name okay so a lot of times i kind of joke with people i you know they'll they'll meet me and this, maybe this is kind of messed up, but I, you know, they'll ask me this new person and they'll say, you know, Trevor, where, well, where do you go to church? And I say, well, I go to the same place you do. And then they go, they go, well, I've never seen you at my church. And I said, well, you're a part of my church. And then we get into this little thing and they're very confused. They're very confused. Okay. Which they should be, which they should be, because I, I understand what they're thinking. Okay the fact of the matter is every blood washed believer within the city limits is a part of that church. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whether you choose, whether you choose to meet somewhere else and you don't choose to meet in the oneness of not taking a name is up to you. Okay. Does that make sense, Paul? Yeah. So it's not, it's not that the church in blank city is any better than anybody else at all. Actually, actually, and it's not exclusive, it's actually inclusive, okay? If I'm saying that, by the way, you're a part of my church, that's not exclusive at all, right? No. So this is God's God's view looking down on a city. This is how God views it according to the scripture, okay? So speaking of looking down, okay, Oh, man, do we have an epic little little side topic here. It's not really a side topic. This is what we've been talking about leading up to the point of creature deals with creature, how to subdue the earth, how to defeat and subdue Satan. Okay? So this is what we're, and we're going to get into some stuff. I promise you, a lot of you guys have never heard any of this. Okay? So we had to really dig to find a bunch of this stuff and we got really we got really excited about it one thing i wanted to share with you guys is a very very short story okay i i was in i hope you know what high school is in the united states but so i i'm i'm in my senior year my last year of high school and it was september 11th okay i was 19 and you know, I'm on the I'm I was growing up in, in Los Angeles. Um, and so, you know, it was it was very early in the morning on September eleventh. Very early. And my mom, you know, you kind of know your parents and the way that they the way that they move in the house and you you know the creaking of your house and all this stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, you know when they're sneaking up on you and all this stuff. <laughs> so i so i like man i'm laying in bed and i don't want to get out of bed that morning and instead of my mom coming in and saying trevor get out of bed and then and then you know like busting my door open like she always did
3: mm-hmm.
0: she came into the room and she moved very slowly and i immediately knew something was wrong and then she sat down the bed and i i spun around because you know i was, I was trying to pretend like i was sleeping okay facing the wall, and she sat down on my bed, and she just said, Trevor, things are happening in the world right now. You need to wake up, okay? This was my introduction to 9-11, so I, I immediately sprung out of bed and ran to the television to see what was happening in the world right now, so this you guys my my hope and desire is that you would all wake up. okay We all need to be shook and woken up to what is going on in the spiritual realm right now. okay so the first the first thing I want to take you to is um, Exodus 153. Okay. And this is, this is crazy. I I love this verse. Okay. Ronk, can you read this verse for me, bro?
6: Jehovah is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. What is it? Jehovah is what?
0: A man of war. I love this verse, bro. It says, Jehovah is a man. I want you to, I want you to really think about that for a second. Okay. Ronk, it says Jehovah is a man. Does it not? Yeah. Yeah, bro. And he's not just any man. He's a man of war. Okay. This is Jehovah who we're talking about here. This again is the principle of creature deals with creature and the principle of incarnation. Jehovah is a man of war. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's to start this off. Okay. This is, this is, of course, we all know that he's love and he's life and we're, you know, he's also a man of war. Okay. So now, now let's go to Psalm. This is, this is, this is really good. I want you guys to see this because some Christians struggle with this, you know, they're, they're like, wait a second. I, I thought like, I thought the earth was Jehovah's and it is. Okay. So Ron, can you, can you read Psalm 24
6: one? The earth is Jehovah's and its fullness, the habitable land, habitable land and those who dwell in it.
0: Mm. Okay, so this is what's happening here, okay? The earth actually belongs to the Lord, okay? But there's somebody in the universe that is illegally occupying it, okay? They have usurped it. They have taken it from God. And so God wants to take it back, okay? And he has a plan on how to take it back. Because it's his. It belongs to him. And actually he's taking it back through us. Okay, this is our job. So now I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, okay. I'm sorry, Paul. Is it okay if I pick on you a little bit? She'll not pick cool. on you. I'm not I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use you here for a second, okay? Yeah. Paul, there's actually I only I only know of two verses or two sections in the whole Bible that show a spiritual warfare. Okay, and I'm talking like things going on behind the scenes, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. So actually, C.S. Lewis, this is a famous quote of his, he said that the physical realm is a shadow land to the spiritual. Okay, so actually what's going on in the spiritual realm is more real than what's going on in the physical realm. But oftentimes in the Bible, we don't get to see that. We don't, we don't know what's going on. There's two places. One is in the book of Jude, where the devil and Michael fight over the body of Moses. It's crazy. It's epic. I'd like to talk about it sometime, but we're not going there. Okay. By the way, I just pretty much told you the whole verse. But anyway, so the other part is in Daniel 10. Okay, so what we're going to do, actually, actually, before we go here, I want to show you guys a principle of what God's doing, and it's in the book of Matthew, okay? Matthew 12. So, Paul, can you read this for me? It's Matthew 12, and you probably know this, you probably know this section. It's when it's when the Lord casts a demon out of somebody, right? And then they're like, oh, by the by the spirit of you know, the demons, you know, he he casts out demons and all this stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Blasphemy
1: against the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah,
0: man. So he's like. He's like, the Lord, what does the Lord say to them, Paul? Do you remember what the Lord says?
1: Uh, Not off the top of my head. Which which verse?
0: Bro, this is pretty interesting. This is pretty interesting. Because this, you could say, is God giving us a blueprint on how to defeat his enemy. It's very interesting. What's he say, Paul? What's he (laughs) say? (laughs)
1: And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself, how can his kingdom
0: stand? Oh, what? Paul, that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. Okay, so this is the deal, bro. Can you read 25 first, though?
1: uh, But knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself becomes desolate, and every city or house divided itself will not stand.
0: Okay, why does Jesus say city and house? Well,
1: it includes the uh, the church, doesn't it? Then uh, uh, it's the same unit
0: of measurement, right? Oh, bro! That, wow, well, well. I mean, this is this is interesting, right? Because if you if you really think about it, we were just talking about casting a demon out of somebody. Why in the world is he talking about a city and a house now? This doesn't even make sense. But it's like it's like Jesus is actually giving you a little key. He's like he's like by the way, by the way. A kingdom, you know what a kingdom is? It's a king with a dominion, okay? So we're supposed to have image and dominion, right? So actually, when when the Lord was born in the manger, he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The problem was it was not his kingdom on the earth. It was Satan's kingdom, okay? So he wants to come and he wants his will to be done right? On earth as it is in heaven. So he actually wants to bring his kingdom to the earth. We're going to get into this more next week, how that, what he actually means by that. But in this section right here, this is really interesting. He actually says, if you divide Satan's kingdom, his kingdom will fall. And by the way, if you do this in a city or a house, that kingdom will fall. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter whose kingdom it is, okay? It doesn't matter if it's the Lord's or Satan's. If it's divided, it will fall. So Paul, what do we do with this information? Doesn't it kind of sound like believers need to be one? Yeah. It kind of does, doesn't it? Okay, so let's see what's happening in the spiritual realm when when stuff is going down. Okay. And what I mean by that is in Daniel 10, man, this, okay. you ready? Are you guys, I'm going to switch over to Cambridge here. I'm switching over to Cambridge on this one. Okay. Is it Rosie? Yeah. Rosie. Okay. Rosie, are you ready for this? Okay. Probably not. Um, Rosie, can you read verse two and verse three in Daniel 10?
4: In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three, four weeks. I ate no desirable food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all until the three, four weeks were completed.
0: Okay, so Daniel was praying for how long? How, how long is he praying in these two verses? Um, are we still are we still there three
4: four
0: okay okay i think i think your internet gave out there a little bit but okay so here we go are you still with me oh no you gotta be kidding rosie She's, she's with me people i just want you to know that she is with me okay um okay rosie are you still there Okay, she's still there. Okay, we got you. Yes. Okay, so this is, this is Daniel. This is <laughs> Daniel 10. Now we're going to go down a little bit further, okay? And this is verse 11 through 13, okay? Now this is crazy because there's this messenger angel and I'm going to have you read this, but I'm I'm going to I might stop you, okay? So, can you can you start reading this?
4: And he said to me, Daniel, Man of preciousness, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand in your place, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling.
0: Okay, hold on just a second. When I first read this verse one time, I wanted to know how I could be a man of preciousness. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, the angel, the angel, what he's doing is he's, he's a messenger of God. Mm-hmm. So whatever his message is is actually how God feels about Daniel mm-hmm. so that means God felt that Daniel was a man of preciousness and so I went to this brother and I asked him you know how can I be a man of preciousness mm-hmm. and he told me Trevor the only way you can be a man of preciousness is to be filled with the only one that God finds precious which is Christ himself mm-hmm. and so we, that's what we need to do. And that has nothing to do with the rest of this story, but I just wanted to give you that little tidbit. Okay. And he said to me, this is in verse 12, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand this matter and to afflict yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. Okay, Rosie. Okay. How, how long ago, how long ago did the angel leave to come talk to Daniel? Um. When did he leave? He said he left the first day, right? Yeah. Okay, so man, if I'm Daniel and I'm I'm hungry, man, I'm hungry. Now I've been I've been like fasting for three weeks, mm. and I'm like, bro, what took you so long? Mm. Right? I mean, that's what I'm thinking. It took you three weeks to get here. Mm. Okay, then, then then Rosie, I need you to read the next verse, because the next verse shows what happened to him on the way down.: um, But the Prince
4: of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for, for 21 days, but now Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I, I remained there alone with the kings of Persia.
0: Oh man, Rosie, have you read this before? No. Okay, is this pretty epic? Like, like who okay? This is my question. This is my question. Who is is the who is the Prince of Persia? I know that's a movie, but we're not talking about the movie here. Okay.
4: He's a so, very nice. <laughs> what's up? He isn't very nice, right? He's not
0: nice. Who is this guy?
4: Yeah, <laughs> he's not
2: very nice.
0: Yeah, he's a big jerk face. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is this is the thing. He is he is a prince. He's a prince of Persia. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it's his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what this is, this is a fallen angel. And if you remember, if you remember last week when we were talking about Colossians 2:15 and the Lord stripping off the rulers and the authorities in the air. Okay. He was stripping them off. Okay. In, in Ephesians six, we'll get there in a second, but in Ephesians six, it's very clear that the principalities and powers in the heavenlies are actually the fallen angels, Mm. the prince. So this fallen angel is stopping. I believe Gabriel, I don't know if it actually says, but I, I believe it's Gabriel is stopping Gabriel from coming down to Daniel. Okay. Daniel at this time is actually in Babylon, which is in Persia. Okay. So what you have is you have this satanic um, administration that is set up in the sky around the whole earth. And these princes have certain domain of that section of the earth. And this time, he's called the Prince of Persia. But interestingly enough, in the spiritual realm, there's actually like a ranking system. Okay? And in this ranking system, there's probably guys under him. Okay? So you got generals, lieutenants. I'm sure they don't call them that, but I'm just saying. Okay? Because in this section, he says, and I remain there alone with the kings of Persia so he was actually fighting with more than just one dude okay and i don't know how they fight okay i don't know how they fight i don't know if they've got like spiritual swords or whatever we don't need to know about that but the point is the point is they were fighting for 21 days and then and then basically what ends up happening is daniel continues to pray and daniel you know the lord's getting kind of irritated because Daniel's a man of preciousness. So he ends up looking over to Michael who's, who's really his, you know, he's like the dude, you know? So he's like, he's like, Hey, Michael, go deal with it. Okay. So then Michael's like, yes, sir. And he like, he like beelines it down. Okay. So he starts coming down to wreck some shop with the Prince of Persia. Okay. So this is what happens. So he starts fighting with the Prince of Persia. Paul, are you still with me, bro? Yep, still here. Okay, bro. I need I need your A game right now, okay? So <laughs> They're they're fighting, bro. They're fighting. And then and then this angel gets freed up as Michael is fighting with the Prince of Persia and he goes down to the earth to deliver the message to Daniel. Okay? So get this, but it's not over. It's not over. Rosie, are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I need you to look at look at verse 19, 20, and 21 and just start reading. And
4: he said, Do not be afraid, man of preciousness. Peace to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Amen. And when he spoke to me, I received strength and said, Speak, sir, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why i have come to you and now i will return to fight with the prince of persia so i go forth and the prince of javan is now about to come however i will tell you what is in the writing of the truth amen yet there is no one who holds strongly with me against those, these ones except Michael, your prince.
0: Okay. Okay. This this is crazy. So this guy, this guy, we again. I think it's Gabriel. He ends up. He ends up going. Oh, by the way, Daniel. I, I don't even know why he tells him this. You know. He's like, by the way, Daniel. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back up there, and I'm gonna go help out Michael because actually, the Prince of Javan, which actually is translated Greece, the Prince of Greece okay, is that, so think about it geographically. You have the Prince of Persia, okay, over, I don't know, modern day Iran, I guess, okay, Iran and Iraq, because they're in Babylon, okay, and, and the Prince of Greece sees what's going on, and so he's like, well, Michael went and helped out, helped out Gabriel, I'm going to go help out the Prince of Persia, so this is an epic, angelic battle going on over the skies and so the prince of greece is screaming over to help out the prince of persia and there's about to be this epic battle okay okay Mm -hmm. this is the spiritual scene we need to wake up we need to wake up okay and see actually what's happening is let me show you okay so in ephesians 6 that's philippians Ah, it's Philippians again that's Philippians one here we go uh, there we go ephesians 6 can you can you also uh Paul I need you to read this bro can you read 6 twelve
1: for our wrestling is not against blood and flesh but against the rulers against the authorities against the world rulers of this this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies right
0: oh man that's pretty obvious what that is isn't it bro? Yeah. Bro, so are, are we fighting against each other? No, no, no. No, bro. No. We're actually, we're fighting against them, bro. Because they they are behind the scenes influencing each other, right? And so oftentimes we blame the other person, you know? We blame that guy. But actually there's something behind that guy that is influencing them to do what they're doing, Okay so our our battle is not against flesh and blood but against those guys okay let's go to let's go to verse or chapter 3 in ephesians cuz this is where this is where it gets pretty crazy bro paul can you read um, can you read 10 and 11
1: in order that now to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenlies the multifarious wisdom of god might be made known through the church according to the eternal purpose which he made in
0: Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so Paul, I don't know if you know this, but God has an eternal purpose, okay? This is a great verse to show someone that Jesus is actually eternal, because he can't make his purpose in someone who's not eternal, because it's an eternal purpose, okay? But if we back up a little bit here, if we back up a little bit here, and in verse 10, it says... The rulers and the authorities and the heavenlies are going to be made what? They're going to be, they're going to see, they're going to see the multifarious wisdom of God being made known through what, Paul? The church. Through the church, bro. Through the church. So actually, these, these angelic evil angels, okay, are actually looking down on the earth. And bro, do you know, you know, they're confused. Do you know they're confused, bro? There's a verse, it's first Peter. It's First Peter 1, 12. And this actually shows that these guys, actually, this is this is positive and negative angels. In verse 12, can you read verse 12?
1: To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to you they ministered these things, which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven,
0: which things angels long to look into. Okay, bro, the Greek there for things longing to look into is like they're, they're stretching their neck over a big chasm, like the Grand Canyon, okay, and they're, they're trying, they're trying really hard, they're trying, they're stretching their neck as far as they can, and they really want to see what's going on down there. OK, so this has to do with man's salvation, but this is God's multifarious wisdom being made known to them. OK, and actually one more verse, if we go to Hebrews twelve twenty-two, OK, can you read that one, Paul? Go for it. You have come
1: forward to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to the myriads of angels to the universal gathering.
5: Bro, there is a universal
0: gathering happening, bro. And actually theologians, what they, what they liken it to is like the Olympic games, okay? So imagine the whole universe is a gigantic stadium, okay? And actually the church is on the field. And all of the angels, all the myriads of angels are the gathering. They're watching what's going down on the field. And all of God's multifarious wisdom is being made known to them, this universal gathering. This is positively and negatively. I'm not just talking about negative angels here, okay? But the thing is, God is shaming those negative angels, those evil fallen angels. He's shaming them because we were actually part of Satan's kingdom when we were born. Okay. And we received God's life and we were transferred into a new kingdom, which helps God establish his kingdom on the earth in the local churches in a city and every city that believers are meeting in the oneness without a name, just a description. This actually divides Satan's kingdom and his kingdom falls. This subdues the enemy when we do this. Mm -hmm. So our goal as believers should be to bring the Lord back. Okay. We should try to bring the Lord back. And actually we can participate in this. The way we participate is by being one with other believers in a city. And the enemy is subdued during in in that city. Okay. So now I'm going to hand it off to Nathaniel. Because I just I just painted what's going on in the spiritual realm, but Nathaniel really quickly is going to hit something else that's going on in the spiritual realm. But this is really positive and it's super epic. Go ahead, Nathaniel.
5: Okay, so you know when we uh, decide, you know through the it happens in different ways, but you know. As you start to realize what the Lord is doing and you realize what the Lord needs and you realize what Satan doesn't like, um, and you realize, well we need to take we need to take ground back because as Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's, but it's being illegally usurped. And so the way that we take back the ground is actually by establishing, a uh, a testimony in a city, and this testimony, as was said before, is not exclusive. It's inclusive, but it is meeting on the proper ground, meeting in oneness, and meeting, uh, w- yeah, meeting in oneness, meeting in the Triune God. And so, okay, when we do that, what happens? Um, is very interesting because the church um, is described as the house of God. And uh, when we take back the ground in a city, um, can we go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 51? Okay, and uh, Ronk, can you read... Uh, verse 51 for us
6: and he said to him truly truly i say to you you shall see heaven opened and the angels of god ascending and descending on the son of man
5: amen okay now ronk do you recall is there another place in the bible that talks about angels of god ascending and descending Um If you don't remember it's okay. I'm just I'm just seeing no, article. Don't think so, no. Okay. Um can we go to Genesis 28?
6: Oh wait, I think I know.
5: <laughs> I gave it away a little bit when I said yeah. Genesis. Yeah. Okay, so if we go to Genesis 28, I think we're going to go to verse 12. Um, a little bit. Okay, so actually, we want to go to twenty twelve, and then, um, Ron, can you read that for us?
6: Okay. And he dreamed um, that there was a ladder set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it.
5: Mm. Okay, so it's very interesting because, so this is Jacob, right? And Jacob is fleeing from Esau uh, because he got, his bir- he got the birthright. And he has a dream. And in the dream, uh, there's a ladder. And this ladder is stretching from the earth to the heaven. And on this ladder, there are angels of God ascending and descending. All right, now let's go back to John one fifty one. Uh, when we go back to John one fifty one, uh, it says, "You shall see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending, descending on the Son of Man." So here you see that. Uh, okay. When Jacob had that dream, he then woke up, and uh, he said, "How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God." That's Genesis twenty-eight seventeen. But now, in verse fifty-one, when the Lord is speaking to Nathaniel, he says, uh, "You shall see." angels ascending and descending on the son of man so when a church gets established in the when the church is established in its local aspect in a city that is the house of god and when that happens okay uh there is a there is, a, there is a heavenly traffic that is taking place because that's where the house of God is. Wherever there's the house of God, there's heavenly traffic happening. And as that happens, uh, the administration, the satanic administration over that city gets dealt with. Okay, so it's very, pop- when we say we're taking the ground, It's not just, we're taking the ground. It's not just a term. We're actually taking back ground from God's enemy. And the way that happens is because you have a group of people, you know, you wouldn't think it, but actually the way it happens is if you have a group of people who are meeting together in oneness, in the Lord's name, in his word, in his glory, and they're not taking a name, right? And they're meeting on the one foundation of Jesus Christ. Okay, this actually serves to overthrow the satanic administration in that city. This is then where you have the Lord's testimony. Okay, Um, this is actually, this is a bit of an application, but this is why the prayer meeting of the church is so important because in the prayer meeting of the church this is where the church actually deals with god's enemy the church has the ground and the standing to deal with god or with god's enemy in the prayer meeting because they have they're standing on the right ground they're meeting in oneness they are god's representation on the earth at that time so we need to realize the prayer meeting is a big deal Actually, when we come together to pray in the prayer meeting, we are coming together to represent God in that city. We're coming together to represent him. And we're coming together to deal on his behalf with God's enemy. There's another kind of smaller point, but uh, even when you, you recall those verses, when it talked about the appointing of the elders in each city, and the appointing of the elders in each church. Well, the elders they repre- in the church, they represent God's administration. So actually, this shows how important the eldership is. If the eldership is one, then the church is very strong, and the church can deal with God's enemy. It just shows you in these things, with the prayer meeting, with the eldership, in all these uh, practical aspects of the church, actually... Oneness is so important because this is not taking place in a vacuum. This is taking place in the context of dealing with God's enemy. So I think we're going to go on now, and we're uh, coming towards the tail end. And uh, Guillaume is going to talk about what the oneness brings us.
2: Amen. Okay, uh, I'll be quick, <clears throat> but before. I'd like to ask, uh, Trevor on what floor do you live on Trevor?
0: I live on the third floor.
2: Third floor. Three. Okay. Um, you might want to close that window, uh, behind you because if we go until midnight, uh, in acts 20, someone fell from the third floor through the window. So just to be safe. Yeah, I feel much better now. I Thank you, brother. Much
0: Thank you for looking out for me.
2: Okay. I, I won't be long. I just, it's just so sweet. This, this matter of oneness, like Nathaniel just said, when we are one in this perfected oneness, one in the, in the father's name, one in his life, one in the word of reality, one in the divinely expressed glory, then we have the blessing. This is where the blessing is. Um, Psalm 133 is very sweet. I always enjoy singing this song, especially with the brothers. It's just something sweet about brothers' voices singing this song together. Anyway, so the Lord, the Lord is the Christ, is the one anointed. And so as we are one with him, one with the head, the body under the head, we are receiving blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. We have this marvelous picture of the ointment coming down that was poured on Aaron's head and it goes to the beard and reaches the hem of his garment. This is where we need to be. We need to be under the head. We need to be in this oneness, not a worldly kind of oneness, but this divine oneness. And when we practice this, that's the one accord. And so we won't have time to get into this, but there was a wonderful verse in Exodus 30, verse 26 and 27, when you have um, the tabernacle and all of the furniture and all the utensils, everything is anointed. And the priests as well, all under the anointing to serve God to please God, to be one with him, so that he can have the bride and the building. So this is something very sweet and very dear. And just to illustrate this, there's a brother, very dear brother, Count Zinzendorf. Maybe some of you are familiar with him. He lived in the 1700s. At that time, um, many believers were persecuted. And something that was very precious to him was to have the oneness. So he offered these, these saints to come and take refuge in Moravia, where he lived. But he had one condition. You had to drop your name. We just meet together in simplicity, just to be one. And so sometimes, you know, some would struggle with this matter of dropping their, their names. And so he would go to them, um, not to really address anything, but just to pray, just to bring in the spirit. And these brothers would come and they would dwell together in oneness, in unity. And that was very sweet. The ground of the oneness, the ground of the church was only recovered later, but they still had something quite marvelous. And this is what we want to have. We want to have the oneness. We want to be in the one accord to be under the Lord's blessing. Amen.
5: Amen. Oh, that's wonderful. So, you know we want the Lord's blessing and there is a point of application here and there will be a lot of additional application uh, next week but what we wanted to bring out now towards the end is that um when uh when when with Daniel as he was praying he actually was praying over the prophecy that Jeremiah gave, and when Jeremiah prophesied, he prophesied concerning the fact that the children of Israel would return; they would return to rebuild the temple. They would return to rebuild the city. And Daniel, he was he was aware of this prophecy, and he prayed that prophecy back to the Lord. And uh, he didn't uh, he didn't uh, get to see it completely fulfilled but as a result of daniel's prayer and remember as trevor said in the lord's eyes daniel was a man of preciousness through that prayer um there was a there was a a a persian emperor raised up whose name was cyrus uh you can see this a lot in in the book of isaiah uh we don't have time to get into it but cyrus was raised up and he gave a decree that the children of Israel would return and build the house and build the city. And he said, you know, whoever would like to return, you can. Well, actually, not many returned. Uh, There was a small number, a remnant who did return. But the greater number, the larger number, they remained in Uh, Persia. Uh, This doesn't mean that they were not, that they stopped being Israelites. It doesn't mean that they stopped being the children of Israel. But they did not go back to the proper ground. They didn't go back to rebuild. However, there was a small number who did. And Trevor will talk a little bit more about that, and then we'll conclude. Okay, this one,
0: this little section's for Paul. I'm sorry, Paul, but I like you, bro. I hope one day we get to meet and hang out.
1: Yeah, it'll be good.
0: Come over to my house and have an American barbecue. Hey. Okay, (laughs) that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so Paul, this is the thing, and I don't know if you've been thinking about this, but something that I really struggled with when this was presented to me is that a group that just claims to be not a denomination. um, They're just another denomination. Right. So I I was really kind of, I was kind of struggling with this. Like, okay, I don't get like, how can they, okay, even if they don't take a name, aren't they just another denomination? And so actually what really helped me on this point, the answer is no, but we have to prove it. Okay. And so, the answer is actually found in the Old Testament. Very quickly, I'm going to draw a diagram for you here. Um, Let's go with this guy. Okay. So I'm not an artist. I'm not an artist. Okay. So just, okay. Yeah. So here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you what this looks like though. If you are going to, you know, um, I don't know, what is, what does this look like to you, bro? like pictionary kind of yeah okay this is my really horrible uh this would be the mediterranean sea right here
1: oh right
0: this would be egypt this would be israel and this is jerusalem the star okay you following me bro yeah yeah Uh, okay good i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't i'm not an artist okay so at the time of daniel what actually is happening is Daniel and Jeremiah are both, they're both very upset because, well, the Jews are not in Jerusalem. And that's where you have to build the temple. That's where you have to build it. So Jeremiah is over here crying. He's in he's in Egypt. He's the lamenting prophet, Lamentations, okay? And Daniel, Daniel's actually over here in Babylon, okay? Now, paul are they are they divided yeah they are okay so this is really interesting this is the picture in the old testament right so they are divided what are what are they divided from
1: from the temple or jerusalem the site the correct site of the temple
0: right right okay so this is the thing this is the thing man okay when we say Thing, like someone, someone is divided, that means they're divided from something, mm-hmm. right? If I cut a piece of fruit in half, they're divided from each other, okay? Yeah. But what if that piece of fruit was actually supposed to be in a certain location? Well, then they're divided from that location, okay? So this is the interesting thing. God, we've made it very clear, Deuteronomy 12, God says Jerusalem, Temple Mount, boom, that's where it's got to go. Temple's destroyed. They're weeping. You know, Daniel's praying for 21 days. He wants to go back. Okay, Ezra and Nehemiah end up going back. They end up going back. Do you know this story? It's pretty, it's pretty nuts. And actually, the the interesting thing about this picture is that God's, the narrative of the Bible only follows what God's desire is. It does not follow the most people okay Mm -hmm. because most of them stayed in babylon and they're never heard of from again we never hear about them we have no idea what happened to daniel and everybody else Mm -hmm. okay so the narrative of the bible whose writer is god actually follows ezra and nehemiah which were a small remnant of people that left babylon And we're very, very much interested in going back to Jerusalem. Now let's, let's keep following this diagram. What if they leave Babylon, bro? Mm -hmm. They're going and they're going and then they're like, "Ah, actually uh, Jordan would be kind of cool. Let's go up there. Okay. So what if, what if they go up here? Okay. And they set up shop here. Are they divided? Yeah, totally. Now there's three. That's a problem. That's a big problem, but they don't do that, do they? No, no, they go back to Jerusalem. No, they don't. Okay, so then they come back here to the proper ground that God chose. Okay, are they divided?
1: those that returned aren't divided from the place.
0: That's what I'm talking about, bro. Now Paul's cooking with fire, bro. Okay, so this is the deal, Paul. This is the deal. If we as believers return to the proper God-ordained way of meeting, we're actually not another denomination. We're not another sect. We're not another group. We're not another anything. Okay? We're, We're just we're just God's people meeting the way he wants us to. Okay? So this this picture greatly helped me. Now what ends up happening is whenever we touch the ground and we start building the church, that's when the enemy's attack comes. And so the last part Nathaniel's going to share with us, we're going to wrap it up. There's a really epic verse in Nehemiah that shows what happens when we start building the church.
5: <clears throat> can we go to um, uh, Nehemiah four seventeen? 17? And um, let's see, Ronk, can you read that for us oh, as soon as it comes up? Sorry. No, it's okay. Wait, hold on. Okay, so before you read it, I'm just gonna give a little bit of context. There was actually a group of, uh, there were some people in the area, shall we say, who um, were very opposed to what this little group was doing in rebuilding the city and rebuilding the temple. And so they were trying to come and frustrate and come and fight, cause confusion. And uh, if you look at uh, verse nine, actually um, it says we pray but we prayed to our god and because of them we set a watch against them day and night but then if you go to verse 17 this describes how the how this remnant how they built the temple so um, ron can you read that for us so
6: and those who carried burdens took the loads with one hand doing the work and with the other holding a weapon.
5: That's right. So on the one hand, they were working to build and this is the positive aspect of building up the church. Um, This is necessary. This is how God will get his expression. So. we, we cannot neglect this, and actually, we'll get into this a lot more next week. But as they were building, as they were carrying the burdens, then in one hand, they were doing the work. In the other hand, they were holding a weapon. And this holding the weapon, this point shows us the fact that when we are in the business of, rebuild, of building up the church, it's a warfare. And so on the one hand, positively, we are enjoying Christ. We're enjoying the Christ in one another. We're growing in life. We are uh, functioning according to our measure in the body of Christ. But at the same time, there's a warfare. So we have to be holding the weapon. As uh, Trevor mentioned earlier, there's a spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes. And so we can never fight this warfare by ourselves. This warfare can only be fought as members in the body. So the Lord has given us a provision. And the provision is we have a place. We have a place where we can gather together with other believers in oneness, in one accord. And as we do that, and as we express God in that way, we also represent him in dealing with his enemy. So on the one hand, we're doing the work and on the other hand we're holding a weapon so